show his servants the events that must soon take place. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He sent an angel to present his revelation to his servant John, who faithfully, respond, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of his prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, the ruler of all kings of the world, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us kingdom priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes on the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn him, mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who is, who always was, is still to come, the Almighty One. <clears throat> and there's an interesting word which is used at the beginning of that second batch of text we, look, we, we read. It's shortly, or is translated in the New Living Translation as soon to take place. The Greek word used there is tachos. I kind of had a funny thought when I was reading that and I wondered whether that's where we get our name tacos from, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. But it's tachos. Now this is from the same root word as is used for a brief space of time. So what was being revealed here is something that was going to happen shortly, within a brief space of time, or as the New Living Translation, the New Living Testament, NLT, um, says, soon to come. It was, it was being given to John because it was shortly to take place. And the picture I get here is the picture of the new covenant. The picture of Jesus coming on the clouds is a picture of Jesus coming with his glory. The clouds represent his glory. To take his place in the midst of his church as a witness to the new covenant and standing against those who hold to the old See, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant rather, was a red covenant. It couldn't be seen. It couldn't be heard. And in fact, Paul warns us in Corinthians that the veil remains even to this day with the red testimony of God. And you'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 14. You see, the Old Covenant is about remembering what God has done. It was written down to remind people of what God had done. But it doesn't bring life. It had been passed through, down through generations and generations of people. But it doesn't bring life. It was simply remembering what God had done. The new covenant, however, brings life. The new covenant is about knowing him. 
It's about a personal relationship with Jesus where our very nature is taken over by the things of God. Our testimony of being able to read and hear and keep the testimony of Christ is set as a true foundation of the revelation, the true, the true foundation of the true revelation of Christ. So the question becomes, if this was a future event, which people often take the book of Revelation to be, how could we read and hear the testimony read and hear and keep the testimony of Christ through reading this book. Let's look at verse 4 for a moment. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. She's given in the context of the churches, the seven churches in Asia. John would have had personal knowledge of these churches. It's given in the present. It's given for the church then, and it's given for the church for future generations to come. But as we come to read the letters, we will discover that the language of the letters is language of the past. So it's not only for the future, it's for the present, but it also is of the past. All seven churches that we will read about, they already proclaim the Christ. That is their message. They are proclaiming the Christ as you and I proclaim the Christ. The Christ who is alive. But as I said, the language reveals the Christ who was. But then at the end, there's a promise. There's a promise of the Christ who is to come. See, the revelation, I believe, in, the book, in this book is about a continuing process. It's a process that started in the past, continues today, and will continue into the future. It's a process of the Christ in us who was and is and is to come. Let's look back at verse 7. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him, yes, and amen. The word used for comes here is erkomal. Erkome, sorry, erkome. I don't want to get into Greek lessons today, but I just want to briefly explain. This word is only used in the present and imperfect tenses, and those of you who know Greek and study Greek will know what I mean by that. Suffice it to know that this implies that something happens and it continues to happen in the coming generations. I do not necessarily believe this is a future event, but this is Jesus coming in all his glory to his church in all generations. The clouds, as we mentioned, are a picture of his glory, his manifest glory on the body of Christ. When I came to Christ in 1987, my life was changed in an instant, 
But that doesn't mean that, that it stopped there. I remember one person saying to me when I first became a Christian, you remind me of my husband eight years ago because of that passion that was burning in my heart for this Jesus that had suddenly changed my life. And I kind of made a promise to God, and I, I, I be honest and haven't kept this for the whole of my life, but I made a promise to God that I did not want ever anybody to say that about my life. You see, the process of coming into Christ and knowing Him is a continuing process. It's not something that happens once and then it stops. It's something that should be continuing to, to grow and dwell and develop in our lives, and the passion should continue. The fire in our bellies. I think I know less now than I thought I knew years ago. And it's a very interesting place to be because you kind of think of all these things that you learnt and were brought up with and taught and all these things, as I've said to you before, my journey that I'm going on at the moment are slowly being peeled back. And I'm asking all these questions. And because I'm asking, I feel you, ought, you need to hear that too. So <laughs> that's... <laughs> I'm only joking. But you know, I'm asking all these questions. I honestly think I know less now than I knew. I thought I knew in my younger years. But that passion for Jesus is growing in my life every day. Every day. And I can't say that I've lived up to the promise that I gave God in my life, but I know in my heart today I'm falling more and more in love with Jesus. Just Jesus. Not anything else, just Jesus. The evidence of a living testimony of Christ is faith that comes from hearing his voice. When we hear him, we see him. Let's just look at what happened to John when he turned to see him. Verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was somebody like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like the mighty waves. He held seven stars in his right hand. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. When I saw him, I fell on my feet as if I were dead. As if I were dead. When we can hear the Lord and we see that, when we can hear the Lord, we see his presence in our lives. He is in your life. He is also standing in the midst of his church. When we come to Christ, our lives are instantly transformed and our lives begin a journey. Who knows where that journey takes us? 
but it begins a journey of continual transformation. He was, and He is, and He is forevermore. He is King. He is priest. He is prophet. And He's transformer of our lives. What does it take to see the Lord? It takes our strength to die. Our strength being our pride. And you know, for us men, that's probably one of the hardest things. I said that um, I think I know less now than I did when I, than I thought I knew when I was younger. When you become a Christian, you think you know it all. When you become a new Christian, when you're young, you're passionate, you think you know it all. But our strength has to die. Our pride has to die. That's when we can see the Lord. I have a very simple prayer that I usher more now than I ever used to, and that's helped me, Jesus, because I don't know what I'm doing. When I met Jesus in 1987, his power took over. His transforming power took over my life, and my strength, for at least a short time, died. It was that revelation of Jesus that changed my life from that day forward. I fell on my knees. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know who Jesus really was. But he revealed his glory and what he'd done for me. But that work has continued in my life for years and years to come and will continue for years to come. It's an ongoing process. You see, many of us as we get older, we think we come to this place where we know everything. We've got our God all tied up. We've got our God boxed in quite nicely and as long as he doesn't jump outside of this box then we're quite happy, we're comfortable. My box has been blown wide open because I'm learning stuff about Jesus and about my God that I didn't know before. It's a continuing process. The minute we think we've got there, we're like the man who has built his house upon the sand. We need to build our house upon the rock. The rock who Jesus, the rock who is Jesus. Yes, it is good to question. Yes, it is good to ask difficult questions. But let's not get to a place in our lives where we think we know it all. I've been there and it's not a very nice place to be. Because Jesus is likely to come along and blow your box wide open.
Yes, Jesus changed my life. 20, what's 15 minus 7? 8. 28 years ago, <laughs> he changed my life on uh, Easter time. He transformed my wife's life two days later, who had no knowledge of Jesus, had not been brought up in the church. And it's been a journey since then. A journey of pitfalls, a journey of struggles, a journey of questions, but none more so than now. None more so than now. All the questions we had in the past was about me. But my questions now are, what, Lord, who are you? Who are you really? Jesus, come and reveal yourself to me in your fullness once again. You know, and if we ever stop asking that question, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. If you stopped asking that question, start asking it again. Jesus, will you come and reveal yourself to me in all your glory? Reveal to me who you really are. But only ask it if you're prepared for the circumstances that follow. Because if you ask that question with reality in your heart and a real desire to know him for who he really is, he may just blow your mind. Did Moses not have to cover his face when the glory of, Jesus, of God fell? Because the people couldn't look at him. I challenge you this morning, ask Jesus once again to reveal himself to you in his fullness. This is a revelation of who Jesus is, the Jesus who changes our lives, the Jesus who takes the, the horrible little person I was before and transforms me, and I'm just not quite so horrible anymore but it's an ongoing work. I thank God for that day. I ask God to forgive me the days that I wasted. Jesus in all his fullness. His power to transform. I believe that the lampstands that John saw in his vision are you and I. as in the church. We are the church. This is not the church. We are the church. We've talked about it before, that we are the light of the world. Jesus' light is in us. We have been transferred from where? Into the kingdom of light. The lampstands are you and I. Jesus is standing in the midst of the lampstands. He's standing in the midst of his church. His is the voice we turn to see. When he speaks, it causes us to see him in our lives. And it's a voice of revelation, not of information.
You know, we can fill ourselves up with so much information. We live in an information overload society. We get it fired at us all the time. We can do that as Christians with the Bible. We can fill ourselves up with so much information in the Bible. We can fill ourselves up with so many texts that we can pull out for every single situation that we can think of that we actually don't meet, ever meet the writer. Yes, we know all about the writer. Yes, we know every single passage. And I know people that have actually, I know one particular individual who's memorized the Bible from back to front, but he's met the writer. So often, friends, we can read and read and read and read and fill ourselves up with Scripture and we ignore the person who wrote the book. Not only wrote the book, but he's writing his story in your lives. When we hear his voice, it's a voice of revelation, not of information. This is the voice of Jesus, a transforming voice, a voice that speaks life, not condemnation, not pain or hurt. Now, I believe in the, the prophetic. Okay, I'll just make that, I'll put that out there. I believe that Jesus speaks today. He speaks into our lives. But we have to be careful when we're using prophetic. The gift of prophecy is such a great thing, but we need to learn to speak life. Jesus only speaks life. He never speaks death. He never speaks condemnation. He never speaks pain in our lives. He speaks life. His life brings us life. James talks about our tongues as being dangerous tools, and boy, they are. And I know many of you will have been on the end of those tongues that bring death, condemnation, pain, and hurt. And this is particularly important as we go out into our communities. See, it's easy to point fingers. It's easy to point fingers and judge people. It's easy to pick out the bad things that we see in people. It's easy because they're seen. It's easy to tell people how they need to change their lives. It's easy to do that. But I believe that Jesus I know would not do that. He would actually bring life. He brings life from within. And as we speak to people that are our neighbors and our friends and our community, we need to learn to speak words of life. Life. Rivers of living water. Is that not what Jesus said? Rivers of living water will flow from us. Let the words that come out of our mouths be like rivers of living water that bring life into people's lives. And let Jesus do the transforming work in their lives. 
I believe in prophecy. I believe prophecy, though, too, is not necessarily for the church. It's for those that don't know Jesus. Signs and wonders in the New Testament, they're not dead. I don't see anywhere, and this may be challenging some of you today, but I'm just being honest with you. Signs and wonders, I believe, are for today as much as they were for the past. But they point to the cross, not to the person. They point to the cross. They point to Jesus. The words that we bring in people's lives should bring life. Prophecy. You know, I often think we, we, and this may be out of your realm, but we sometimes get people who have prophetic gifts who come into the church. We had one, in fact, just a couple of, just last weekend in Castlegar there for a weekend. And it's very interesting. I always see, and I, 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 I always see the church filled because people are drawn because they want a word from God. And that's okay. They want a word for personally for them. But what if we were to take that prophetic gift and take it outside the four walls? What if we were to take that prophetic gift and take it out into the streets of our community? And we said to God, God, will you give us a word for this individual? that would unlock the door of their heart. We used to know a guy, he had a great name. He was a Japanese guy. His name was, and I know it was spelt different, but his name was Hiro. I thought, what a wonderful name. But this guy was such a character. He would go into town. He would sit on a bench next to somebody, and he, he would almost relay a life, their life story to them because God was speaking to him. He saw so many people come into the kingdom as a result of their lives being transformed by the power of God, as a result of God speaking to him and speaking into their lives. We've done a thing called treasure hunting. Does anybody, has anybody heard of that? Yeah. I tell you what, if you want to get outside your comfort zone, it took me completely outside my comfort zone. And basically what we do is we get together, we get a bunch of people together, we go and pray for an hour and ask God to give us pictures of people who he would have us go to and speak to and pray for. Not in the church, but on the street. And I decided that I wanted to be part of this little team. I was a pastor, of course, so I had to be. But I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to experience what God would do. And my first experience of this was terrifying to say the least. Because here we were going out into the streets of Salisbury, which is our city, and we were just going to go and walk up to people and say, hi, I've got a picture of you written down here, and I believe God wants to say something to you. Shall we go? It was one of the most terrifying, but yet the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. God was very gracious to me. He knew my heart. He knew how terrified I was. So the first person he gave me was a Christian. I had to walk past that person three times before I took up the courage to go and say what I had to say. And she said, this is great what you're doing, but I'm a Christian. I said, fantastic. Lord, thank you. You knew how terrified I was. 
Thank you. And then we went out another day and somebody had a picture of a lady in pink socks. Now, you and I would laugh. We had, we, I'll be honest, we had a little giggle with, about this. Because we thought, are we going to go around lifting up all the trouser legs of ladies? Trousers or pants in your, in your neck of the woods to see if they're wearing pink socks. So we all had a little bit of a giggle because, you know, you get it wrong sometimes, folks, all right? We don't always hear what God is saying to us. And we thought this guy had got this completely off the wall and wrong. So we went out, we went out for about an hour. We had a fantastic time. And you know the interesting thing? Nobody very rarely says no. It's very rare that somebody says no. Anyway, we'd, we'd, all, we'd all but packed up. We were heading back towards the church. We hadn't seen this lady with pink socks. Walking down the road towards us was a lady in a crutch. She had a plaster cast on her leg. And of course, you know what she's wearing. She was wearing pink socks. So we chased after her. It didn't take us very long to catch her because she was on a crutch and we were running. <laughs> but we chased after this lady. We met up with her in a lineup in a baker's shop. And we simply said to her, you're going to think this is absolutely crazy, but we have a picture here of a lady wearing a pink socks, and we believe that God wants to say something to you. In the middle of this baker shop, in this lineup, this lady just suddenly burst out into tears. And we took her outside, and we stood in the street, and we prayed blessing in her life. Because God wanted to say something to her at that moment. Have you ever asked the question in the, in the story of, and with this I'll come to a, an end, have you ever asked this question of the story of the blind beggar in the temple when Peter and John go and pray? We always look at the, the story about, um, I have no money but I will give you what I have, but have you ever asked the question why it was that day that beggar would have been begging at that temple for days and they would have passed him three times a day in the synagogue, not the temple. Three times a day they would have passed him as they went to pray. But yet God decided on that day that Peter and John would pray for him and they would see healing. What happened after that? Thousands of people came to know Christ. You see, I believe God speaks for today. I believe this book of Revelation is a word for today. It's the revelation of Christ for today. I know there are some cooks out there that have all these wonderful, crazy, stupid words, but we have to discern what God is saying to us. And there are the crazies, but you know, wherever you get the power of God working. You're going to get people who are trying to imitate it, trying to play with it. But listen for the voice of God in your life today. When we hear his voice, we see him in working in our lives. I believe that this word in Revelation is for today. It's a word of revelation, not of information. A voice that speaks life. 
not condemnation, not pain or hurt, but of life. And as Jesus speaks words of life into our hearts, the revelation of his testimony is a faith that comes from hearing the voice of God. which will take us to our knees and say, Jesus, help me because I don't know what I'm doing. Because it's about him. It's about him. I believe Jesus stands in the midst of his church today. The seven lampstands, in the context of the seven churches, I believe the seven lampstands that John saw are us, you and I, his church where he stands in the midst of us. And we are the light to the world. I bet you're wishing I never came back, eh? <laughs> God bless you guys. It's really nice to be back with you. I've, I really enjoy coming and really wrecking your lives, but I, 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 I love you guys. And, and I think God has, has brought purpose about in what he's doing. I'm really excited at the fact that you've got somebody coming next weekend. And I, I really urge you, like Blair has done, to go and listen to what he has to say. Go and listen to what he has to say. But most of all, ask God, is this the man that you want in this place? Don't judge him on what you see or even on what you hear next week. But ask God, is this the man that you want in this place? And let him sort it out. I believe he will. And I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited. And I'll be praying for you next weekend that this is the man that God is bringing to this place. And I look forward to continuing the relationship thereafter. I look forward to building relationship with whoever it is that is in this, in this place. Because I've really enjoyed my time. And I will continue to enjoy my time for a little while yet, I think. God bless you.